It's the How Games Make Money podcast. This week we have Chris Person, my friend and host of Highlight Reel on YouTube. Let's get to it. I'm Jeff Grubb, your host. I write about games at gamesbeat.com, but you can find me all over the internet. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Chris about going solo after working for years as the video guy of Kotaku. While at that site, he built a recognizable brand in the video show Highlight Reel. If you haven't seen it, it's like Sports Center for the weirdest clips in video games, hosted by Chris. It's hilarious and insightful, and it's a great way to get really good, the, the best of the gaming content that's out there, all in one place. We talk about him continuing that project now that he's out on his own. Thank you for listening. You get more from me at gamesbeat.com. Email me about the podcast at jeff.grub at gmail.com with the subject line, How Games Make Money. Or reach out on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Grubb. Finally, support the show by going to patreon.com slash HGMM. Anything you provide will go right back into the show. You also get to join the private Discord channel on my Discord uh, where we hang out, we talk about the show, we talk about what's coming up, uh, we talk about everything happening in the world of video games and a lot more. It's a really special community. I hope you can join it with me. That'd be great. Thank you for listening. Let's get to the interview right now. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we, we, you know, we go way back. Uh, I knew you were on one up.com when we were all just like futzing around there when we were kids. Um, and it's been, and, and you know, I guess people don't know that, you, you know, you've been doing video production for Kotaku for years and then that collapsed and now you're on your own. True, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about all of that, but I guess, I mean, you know, let, let's just kind of start from the beginning a little bit. Like um, how did you even get into this job in the first place? So, I mean, it, it's weird because oneup.com, oneup.com is a really interesting like era of gaming mm -hmm. and of game podcasting because it's like it exists well before I, I don't know like podcasting was like a normal thing that people did right. um at least for me you know i mean i'm sure other podcasts exist at the time but it was still kind of a weird newer thing at the time and no like, one knew that they were going to make money making podcasts back then it was a thing you did to build your audience but no one was like this is going to be our main product like like yeah. it is for like like a site like giant bomb their main product is their podcast that that yeah. was never even consideration back then yeah and then that's that's basically on them and like you know you can sort of point to how uh you know that was badly managed and collapsed and uh you know <laughs> who was there at the time of one up is in, is is interesting from what i understand but um uh, but yeah no like it was it was a very nascent time but also there was this kind of um I don't know how healthy it was. I don't know how much it was in the air. This idea of like, you too could be a gaming journalist. And that was always kind of like, like they hired a couple of people from the board, sure. like, uh, you know, beige for a minute. And then uh, I think Klepik was a, was a board, was a board guy, wasn't he? Patrick Klepik? I think he was actually um, in the IRC chat. I, he, oh, he came okay. up through our IRC. So the IRC was the real time when like that thing was real. Where yeah. if you got into that IRC and you were friends with all those people through that, uh, 
that is how most of them got that job. And then they actually, yeah, you're right. They like turned that into their business model for run up where it was like, uh, we're going to have these, these, uh, uh, these fan written blogs and we'll, we'll kind of, we'll stoke that and, and, and build a, a, a community around that. Maybe, maybe you two can be a journalist. Uh, but by then you're right. It was like, it was so uh, saturated with, <laughs> yes, it was yeah. it had closed off. Yes. But it was an interesting, it was an interesting concept that you think you saw sort of, um, writ large a little bit in the concept of Kinja, which was, which is not something I, <laughs> I like saying, but like, that was the idea It's like, you know, <laughs> you have, um, user generated stuff that would be able to sit alongside edited content and, you know, theoretically be pulled for. And then of course that got demolished the second Nick got out the door and then like all the gawker shit happened. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I, I had, I knew somebody through, uh, who sent me the job listing because somebody I'd known through, uh, Destructoid, like listening to them on the Destructoid podcast and then I'd met them on MySpace and then, you know, it's just somebody in games journalism who was just like, oh yeah, there, there, there's a, there, there's a listing. Here it is. Check it out. I shot my shot and I got it. And, um, but it was interesting because I'd already interned at Gawker like two years prior um, in 2008 or was it two or three? Oh, no, it was like four or five. Anyway, I'd, I'd interned at Gawker during like Barack Obama's candidacy and had like actually like gone and met the one up people at PAX and like done some stuff for Kotaku as like an intern uh, in the video department and then came back full circle in there, worked there for eight and a half years. A lot of stuff happened. And then I got laid off with like half of the video team. I, I, let's, let's talk a little bit more like what you were doing there before the layoffs and then we'll kind of go into what you're doing now. But but you, you, like so they brought you on to to do video stuff. Uh, was there like because when I when I think about video stuff, we mostly do written content at gamespeed.com. We 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 just write uh, and, and most of that's just we can't afford to do video. Like if we're going to yeah. do video, we got we have to hire a bunch of bunch of people and you have to have a, a someone who is in charge of that vision and stuff like that. But but so when I think about you coming on, was there someone like, OK, so we're bringing on you. Here's where you fit in and here's our plan. Or was it sort of like, uh, can you figure some stuff out for us? Was it more you know bootstrap than that? It was more figuring stuff out and then the parameters kept changing um yeah. initially i like i i mean <clears throat> it's kind of funny like I, I i kind of existed in the company before a video department existed so like i predated the video department by a yeah. couple of years and so they really didn't have any kind of when i got hired like any kind of metrics for success so they were like well you can use this like native player that we have but like you're still being judged as though you were a writer and so i had to make uniques um, for like oh. an embedded stuff. And so like a lot of the early stuff I did is just like on a native player that's been like, you know, transcoded over like five times. And so, you know, some videos I'm proud of, like one that like Roger Ebert saw, A, the audio on it is fucking terrible and I, I would just redo it. It was sort of, you know, figure it as you go along because they didn't really, Nick Denton really didn't understand video and he never mm -hmm. really kind of had much of an interest in it. I don't think he understood it because he was a newspaper guy. Yeah, it's weird because your your options are either they're going to like do this big video push where they hire a bunch of people, those people mm -hmm. establish something good, then they realize, oh shit, we ran out of VC money, and then they fire half the people. And that's usually sort of how video works a lot of the time. Like you're like, hey, Vice is hiring, and then you you get on Vice, and then like the Vice video team, and then they like find like, I don't know, some 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 somebody's uh vc money from like news corp to like reestablish something and then like half the video team gets laid off and that's like kind of how most video companies work like fusion worked that way they like over they had like a bunch of univision money 
even Univision over overvalue them and just like, okay, now you're fucked. And like, it's the same thing with like, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. And so it's just this ever shifting landscape of where, what the fuck are we supposed to be doing? You know what I mean? What is your insight into like how that should work? Like, is there a, is there a right way to do this or a better way at least? I mean, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You, you can like create a team of people who like sort of all stream together and play together. Like Giant Bomb is great, is a great example. Like every one of yeah. their, their main product, first off, people pay for it, you know, like, and they have right. like way, they have a very clear delineation of how this is being done, but like they're selling personality. And when you build personality, you have to have buy-in with all the people on the staff. The problem with that often is that like get, forcing writers to do video sucks. Like you can sort of give them the tools they need to like ha- do capture, but if you don't have a full staff, you're never going to you know, like unless you have like dedicated video stuff, you're not going to like be able to do it. it. Sort of limits what you do, and like in that process, I made my show, and then in the process of making my show, I was like, well, I can make the show forever, you know what I mean, ostensibly until they fire me or lay me off, um, <laughs> lay off half the team, and. And like, yeah, it creates it creates like people who end up having to be sort of like YouTubers on their own. Right. Yeah, that's that, that, that's what it felt like. Like it felt like you were like highlight reel came to be out of necessity of like this, the space that you were that you had to fit into. And you just were like, OK, yeah, I can make this work forever. So so but but it was also like it also felt like its own separate thing at the same time where it's just like highlight reel is is this thing I do go to Kotaku to watch. Uh, but but it doesn't necessarily feel like it is um, uh, being informed by. Uh, the rest of Kotaku. I, I guess maybe that was just my perception, uh, but but it really did feel like just your thing. I think that's fair. Um, like it, it's weird because like I didn't ever want to make any of the writers like do video. You know, yeah. we only like you know, we had staffers who 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 come in like infamously Tim, and then Tim did his own thing. But like I think part of the problem was that like you know when the VC people came in, they're like, okay, we're switching to oh no. Because, like, for a long time, we'd been, like, YouTube embed. You know what I mean? Like, right. and that's really useful because if you have an embed on YouTube, some inside baseball stuff, like, for example, like Vox and companies like that, you'll if you go on their site, sometimes you'll see, like, hey, they're using a YouTube embed. Well, they have a special deal that lets it so that, like, they can serve their own ads. At least this is what I've heard. Um, they can serve their own ads on site and all the stuff they serve on site basically is like if they had an owned and operated like native player Uh. so they get 100% of that that rev and then they get the standard cut for whatever I had no idea about this well it's yeah it's like a fucking publisher deal that like Vox and companies have yeah it makes sense but yeah that's wild I didn't know it's like they're double dipping a little bit you know what I mean because like they get like they get to juice their YouTube in a way with whatever they do natively and this could change, by the way. This was like as of like f- f- several years sure, ago. Sure, yeah. But like they get to juice there that way, and then they get like the referral traffic from having content that is juiced. Yeah. So, okay. So, so what you're saying is like they put a lot of effort into their videos. They they promote them on their websites, and their websites have a lot of traffic anyhow. And then because those videos are on the on the website, the the, the algorithm on YouTube then it picks it up as like a juice. Thing. That's what you're saying. That is my understanding of it. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. And we, and we never got we never got like into the specifics of getting that deal because they were like, all right, um, we're going to build a fucking player from scratch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we're like, that sounds like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And they were like, it isn't. And uh, so they used a off the shelf uh, player. 
uh, or not an off-the-shelf player, a um, like an open source player that is, I think, this, the the embedded source. And this is very inside baseball, but I guess that's the point of the show. Yeah, they it used is. An, they used an in, embedded player that um, was the basis for, I think, like IGN and the Guardians like stuff. But like the problem is you need a team and like a lot of time to build that out. And the people who run the company, who you may know I'm talking about, were ins- <laughs> apparently insi- appa- allegedly apparently insistent on just like, yeah, we don't care if this works, just do, you know, just do it. You know what I mean? And so they just kind of push forward with it. And in the process, they kind of broke the uh, they kind of broke the analytics for the player for like a year, which I'm no scientist. <laughs> that seems <laughs> bad. And maybe just maybe that might be why a team might be unprofitable is that you have this like closed ecosystem, which like, you know, it's a closed ecosystem that can't grow. So you can't really grow it. And like we'd already spent like at that point, it had like 350,000 subscribers on YouTube just for like embedding the show. Like there was an audience and like traffic on the YouTube dropped enough, but like people just went to the YouTube instead. And but Mm. I still had to do two posts by myself one for the site and one for the YouTube. It was twice the amount of work. It was shitty. And like it, people didn't like it. It ran ads badly. It ran bad ads. It ran like shit. The encode times were bad. And that's like, always it, that's always it too, isn't it? Like, it's like, um, they play the ads really well, but then every, it, like after that, it doesn't necessarily work. Like it, it, it's like the ads will probably function, but there's no, no guarantee that after that ad is over, the, the video, video will ever play. Yeah. No, it would yeah. be like, you'd, you'd see like a pristine ad for like all state or something like that. Yeah. And then, and then like a fucking one forty four I encode mm-hmm. of something and you're like I oh, guys I know I think you, you should stress we should stress that everybody who works on any of these sites really these these are not decisions oh, that are yeah. in their hands they can try to push against them but like if you're working on a big site and they come up with this like really irritating intrusive ad it's probably pissing off the writers and I think that's something that oh, people yeah. don't understand is like these decisions are being made by VC and private equity guys or private equity guys just generally and like those are decisions made by people who don't know their audience these are people who don't understand an audience they don't know what they bought they don't know why they bought it they just know that they can take a salary from it and that they can continue to pull money from it and the relative performance of that is neutral also one thing um i should note this is totally unrelated to what we're talking about but just as a fun fact i heard that one person who was at one up during the end of its era was a guy named jim spanfeller um totally unrelated to what we're talking about but, of course, you know, just completely unrelated. Nothing to do with fact, that. Yeah. Just a yeah. fact that I think we're, just, we're changing subjects now. Yeah, we're absolutely. changing subjects. This is what I've heard. Allegedly. Don't quote me on it. Interesting thing to think about. It's cool when it's cool when all it's cool when it's just sorry. It's, it's cool when all the the pieces fall together in, in your entire history. It's cool when you're like, you're like, why does this feel familiar? You know what it makes me think of? Um, 
it's something that I, I've brought up on a couple, a couple past episodes, but maybe not as much as I should. But uh, mm-hmm. we um are it, doesn't it suck how little control we have over the way our lives work a lot of times? Like we go, we do our jobs, and we know we do know our audiences often. And, and yeah. if um, if we could have our way, uh, if we had more control over the platforms in our lives or yeah. or, or the companies we work for. Um, if it was like a true democracy, so to speak, uh, it would just be it would be the opposite of what we have, where we, we so much of our lives are dictated by other people so far away that are just worried about their very small little corner where as long as there's money coming in, they're fine. Um, it's it's very frustrating. I mean, do you feel that where like you like you're just at the whim of all of these these forces that you have no control over? Yeah, actually, um, it's interesting when I was getting laid off. I um I was actually I t- I'd taken the day off to go to uh, Mitsua. It's a, like Japanese grocery store in like New Jersey, and what's really interesting is that like I've been reading this uh, book by Dave Graber, um, R.I.P. I think he passed recently called Bullshit Jobs. Do you know the one? No, I haven't read it. It's it's um it's a good book. Um, he did a couple of books. One's called Debt, which I really liked, and another's called Bullshit Jobs, and they're kind of like pop sci, pop history stuff. De- Debt's an interesting one because he's like, yeah, money wasn't. Um, there's no such thing as a barter economy, like that didn't exist ever mm-hmm. organically. It was always like a series of like debts to each other. Um, but the Bullshit Jobs one was like, yeah, like we created this series of jobs that are increasingly mm. bullshit or bullshit. I think ties. I do know this, actually. I think I must have heard an interview with him because I've, I've like brought up this concept before to my wife when we're talking about her job. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, 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 fascinating. it's a 2018 book. Um, it's very pop sci, but it's he's good. He's good at it. And it was like um, it was a piece that went viral that got translated into 20 languages. And his basic premise is that, like, you know, people always worried about these um, these the idea that like automation would create mass unemployment. And his answer to that is, you know, we instead we just created these make work jobs. Like it did happen. We just created make work jobs. And so are these, there are right. these like useless jobs that exist. Um, you know, not, not, not judgmentally, but like, but just, you know, but like, yeah. uh, empirically, just like, empirically, like, yeah. yeah. Like, so but I, th- I think, I think a lot about like upper management, like you have these people, yeah, he uses the term managerial feudalism to describe it, which is instead of like some kind of like top down, like this is what's profitable. This, this, this isn't, you have these people sort of like, like partitioning off like fiefdoms almost. And like, right. The, I think there was like a, they used an example of like the university, right? Where like, if you pay uh, someone to come work at a university and you pay them a lot of money, well, part of like paying them a lot of money is, well, they're important. They should have people working underneath them, right? Like you're going to have six people underneath you. And now you have to find stuff for those people to do. And those are all bullshit jobs. Like, um, that's my understanding. Depending, depending on, a, like, I, I think it's, it, it does exist. He does bring it up in an academic, uh, in the context of academia, but I think it really happens with like, completely like like i think he brings up jobs that were like um somebody had been working for a flight in flight magazine and then they realized that the whole company was a scam and that like no that they'd never actually the magazine didn't exist you know what i mean like i think you 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 know or even just the ways in which like uh, jobs that should be useful and should be productive get made meaningless by and like think that's what i'm sort of was sort of more getting at is like like 
we'd sort of been slowly, I'd sort of been slowly detached uh, from like the material success of what I was doing for so long. And it became harder and harder to tell what the goals were because they didn't really articulate them. And near the end, it just felt like you were disassociating. And then particularly like Graeber's thesis, like kind of bore out, like with the concept of like the essential worker, you know what I mean? Like when this all happened, we were like, oh shit, we need these people. And everybody didn't really have to go into an office this whole time or we could have just been working from home at least for white collar jobs and so his entire thesis kind of got proven by the pandemic and i think we're not we you know like we're all deluding ourselves into thinking that like this is we're near any kind of economic stability like we are going to see worse and worse long-term unemployment um particularly as we're outsourced outwards um but we're talking with my friend about that and then they like came in and like laid off half the staff and the guy who who um who did it was the guy who used to be the editor-in-chief chief of a live spin let's just say the resuscitated deadspin who had immediately <laughs> became the editorial director right um i will let you draw your own conclusions as to like why that happened but his name was also mm-hmm. jim um and yeah, he laid off uh, like half the team and like there'd been really no messaging about like <laughs> what he wanted from us. And it just creates this kind of numbness, you know, like this numbness where you're like, I'm technically a manager, but like, what am I managing? Because you're not telling me what to manage. And, you know, it just creates this this numbness. Like people, I think people are getting more and more disassociated from what success means at their jobs as like more and more, uh, companies hoover more and more companies are hoovered up by financial institutions or, or by like uh, vc guys and just like drained inside out you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's like um you know when we uh, you have to create a fiction around companies anytime they get bigger than like, you know, 100 people or whatever. And uh, and part of like building that fiction of like, oh, this is what the company's about. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're all working together towards a common goal is understanding metrics and understand how they work. And and well, that's a really it's a really difficult thing. Like, you know, I, I you know, I. I think about um, Moneyball and like how, you know, he, he, the, the thesis of that book was like, oh, we, we were counting statistics, we were counting statistics in baseball incorrectly for over 100 years. Like we just weren't good at assessing how good players are. And this is something where people are watching the sport, uh, you know, hours a day, every single day. You would you would expect like just naturally we would get good at understanding what makes a player good. And and we weren't. And the people that were getting paid a ton of money didn't even understand it. Yeah. So the idea that like anyone's going to come in and buy a company and understand um, the very specific nuances of what I should be working toward when even I doing this job, writing, writing about games, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to be successful and what's not. I, it's, it's impossible to predict. It's, it's, it's very difficult. I can maybe make some educated guesses. I can maybe sit down and, and, and do some science to try to figure it out. Uh, but the idea that anyone's going to be able to step into that role and just, and, and, and dictate and dictate from above, um, anything beyond a vision and just let me work toward that vision is is kind of absurd. And I think that's that's kind of what's happened repeatedly in this space. Yeah. Um, is, well, yeah, go ahead. They, it's it's um, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of bullshit in terms of bullshitting in terms of like fake it until you make it on everything involving yeah. media because media 
I think a lot of the people buying up media are like VC people and VC people have internalized like Uber's style of like pretending like tech company generally. Uh, right. They all say they're going to be Amazon. They're all the next Amazon. You were, Amazon wasn't profitable for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, homie, you're not Amazon. And, and then what that leads to is these like boom and burst cycles. You know what I mean? And um, and there's just a lot of stuff involving media like, you know, and successfully running a company. But like. It's usually done by these people who just don't under who've never had to be successful and, like, right. you know, who've never had to, like, build something from the ground up. It's always been given to them. And then they've, like, kind of at best, like, sucked it dry and, like, gotten sort of a value neutral position where they make a lot of money and everyone else suffers. So I got laid off and... I was like, okay, I would like to continue to do my show because it's the one, like out of all this, it was the one thing that kind of made sense because it gave me some regularity. People really mm-hmm. love it. And it had a pretty good following. And then, you know, I was just like, okay, well, how do I do this? And so I talked to my union, my union fought for, for me. Um, and that's the other thing I should say, like, I, I really do believe that, like, I don't necessarily advocate like flat. Uh, hierarchies, but I think that cooperative ownership is like a huge, is ultimately the goal for a lot of these things. You know what I mean? Um, I think yes. you need to cut, like unionizing is good. It definitely does stem the worst parts of it. But if you are dealing with somebody who is a vampire, who doesn't actually care about whether or not your company is profitable, profitable or not, it's kind of like a, like a scorpion and a frog situation. Like those people are, are like, you can't, you can't sort of the levers of, of like, well, you're, if you do this, you know, you'll lose a lot of money. They don't care because that was part of the plan. And so like cooperative ownership, I, I really do believe is the only thing that makes sense. Um, but outside of that, you know, like, uh, so I, they, they did fight for me. I, I love the union and they got my show because it's like, what the hell else were they going to do with it? They were going to sit on this right. like, show name and then like they would try to bring it back and they do it badly because they don't understand how to do it. And then they would like pr- try to put some other producer in there who would just get like yelled at because he's not me or she, um, which would probably even be worse because then there would just be another element to it. And then, yeah, and they would they'd, they'd fuck it up. So just, they're just like, look, he created this. Can he have it? And they got it and I've relaunched it. And it's been interest. It's been an interesting run. There's been a lot of really like early support for it, but like I'm doing this on my own and I will say I feel a greater connection to what I'm doing in a way that I haven't in years because right. I'm allowed because well, and cause I'm not tethered to whatever Kotaku was or is. When you're setting out to do this and you and you have to like look at it and you're like, OK, I, you know, I was getting paid so much before and now I got to turn this thing into a, something that um, that is going to support me. Uh, I think that understanding that it, it's uh, that you building that connection with the thing you're making, building a connection with the audience is probably like the uh, the bridge to get you from here to there. Right. Yeah, Where you're yeah. like, I can see a path toward um, growing this audience to a point where I, I do feel supported enough that I can make this my full-time job without caveat. Um, mm. Is that, is you're still f- fully in that zone right now where like there's a path forward and you see it? I, I think so. I mean, like it's hard because like, you know, I had a yeah. very good managerial union wage, you know what I mean? And that was something that we fought and organized for. And it wasn't something I always had, you know, like I, I think I made mm-hmm. like, what is it? Like 38 when I started. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is not good, yeah. in, especially yeah, in New York. It's not right, a good right, wage. Yeah. Jesus, um, yeah. But, you know, I eventually worked up. And this is something that you can, like, look up in the CBA. It was, like, 95, which is a really good solid rate. rate. Um, but it feels weird because you're making, like, okay, I'm making, making a managerial rate with, like, no resources and no team. And, like, what am I managing? So I, like understand that i'm obviously going to get it get like starting from scratch i have some money saved up and um i'm it it feels like it's going to be hard to build it back up but i think that like i can actually see a path by which i do do that and you know a lot of people who and here's the thing i want to say this like outright i really love everybody at kotaku and they were very supportive of me and they continue to be supportive of me and i continue to support of them and like i would never like, like all of them are great. I don't like the people who run that company, obviously. Yeah. But like, there's some people be, who, who are like, oh, I never subscribed to the channel because of bias. And that always feels weird because I'm just like, dude, like I'm, yeah, I'm, no. a fucking, I'm a fucking lefty dude. You know, like I'm, I'm like a weird bisexual socialist, man. Like you're gonna, right. you're gonna, this is, not, you know, like I created this sort of neutral thing, but like I myself am not that uh, in any way, shape or form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's like it's unavoidable. Like, like there's going to be people that have uh, that uh, have that reaction, and um, you just I think you have to just let them uh, like a, like a boy running at the, the yeah. yeah, just let them run right past you. But it's also um, but, it's also easier an easier relationship I think now. You know what I mean? Right. Like in in part because like I didn't I, you know like there is so much. I mean like I look I fucking hate being there's some people who like overdo the like I survived gamergate shit but like you know it, I was there for that. It was not fun to work there then and like you know so I've 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 been through the gauntlet of this shit before and but like you know there's there's just people who will always like throw that at you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, Oh, you're, you're, you're fucking biased or you're Kotaku or whatever. And it's just like, I'm like, I'm the one thing I will say is like, I love the site, but I'm glad I don't have to deal with the repercussions every time somebody like some, some right winger just like fucking freaks out or something like that. I'm just some guy on the internet right. right now. And I kind of prefer that. Right. Like every, yes. Like, yes. Kotaku was always a, a, a target, for like, I mean, like yeah, the 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 Gamergate board is literally named, a like, fucking talk. subreddit devoted to, yes, to just like exactly. just like talking shit. And I was like, damn, dude, like, <laughs> right, whatever. Less yeah. about that, the better. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so. But but you see you do see the path forward though you do you like the like, um this is, so. is, is it is it just about you know is it going to be mostly about um getting support through Patreon and, and does that shape your the way the content go moves forward um more than like relying on YouTube ad revenue? I mean YouTube ad revenue is not something you would like to rely on. You know, right. I mean, it is unstable. It's not good. Um, Patreon is going to be a more stable way of doing it. I'm you know I'm still grappling with what people want from the channel from me and like how much yeah. of me they want and how much of the show they want for now i'm just making the show longer just because like a the trt being more than 10 minutes actually does help but yeah. also seeing like the number of people i can get to um help let people know about the show again you know and it's interesting because it's like a game i've never had to play because i had a platform or i haven't had to play in a really long time because i had a platform and now that i'm just me i have to deal a little bit more with like like i actually um 
like Jake from Game Ranks was very, very nice and gave us a shout out in his, in his YouTube video. And that like yeah. sent a shitload of people there because obviously Game Ranks has a huge YouTube following. And like, you know, that's that stuff that like that stuff you have to like think about now. Um, yes. Is like, and you know, there's other stuff that like, you know, practice stuff like thumbnail stuff, TRT, all of the stuff that like was YouTube practice that I knew organically, but like, I'm not playing, I'm, I'm in this like weird sphere of like influencer shit now where it's like, okay, what do I have to do to make YouTube respond to me now? And to let people who, who followed this, sh- this sh- the show know that like, oh, it's back and it's in this other place. And it's a really hard uh, thing to figure out. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, getting the audience to migrate, I would imagine, would be hard. But people um, are just naturally inclined to, or naturally naturally disinclined to sort of do that extra work of just like clicking a button or whatever. Um, but but yeah, like it's to, to YouTube's point, like YouTube has this like very, um, it, 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 it's this unspoken rule set or unspoken guidelines of like all these things you should be doing. And I, and I guess YouTube's trying to be, get better about like actually speaking those things out loud. Uh, and, and a lot of it is like you, like you said, like influencer shit, like just like getting together with the other people who are uh, your cohort on YouTube or whatever, and, and establishing a, a sort of um, uh, like a crew almost. Um, but, but like, there's so much other stuff that's like, I've started doing a little bit more YouTube and I'm like, man, this is like a whole other thing where it's like, I would really have to sink a lot of time into this to, uh, fully appreciate the nuances right. here and it's that is that you find yourself in that that zone right now well it's also merc- um well it's also mercurial you know what i mean it's it's something that changes it seems to change for like month to month like oh, yes and like that's the thing is like yeah it's not only just that it's opaque it's that it's ever shifting like before mm-hmm. they were like oh, okay uh ideal length is like 10 minutes and then there or is like two minutes again now and okay now ideal length is like 10 minutes and you know they change what the algorithm responds to almost at a whim, which is like what happens when you have, you're relying on a big tech company to sort of make oh, yeah, any platform. Yeah, any, any yeah. platform. Um, but it's also just particularly interesting from like uh, the perspective of like, you know, being a quote unquote media person and then trying to be like just a, a YouTuber like everybody else. And mm-hmm. just how, how weird that is. And like, however, all every, all of these careers are sort of based on, decisions that like people like outside of their influence are, are making it, it feels different i think when from the outside like uh oh i work at a company i get a i get a salary i am part of the uh, i am part of the media i am i am one of them i am a, like we, we are all together in on this but i am i am in control of my own destiny to a certain extent but really uh, we're not and and youtube just like lays that bare like you youtubers are just admit like we are at the whim of of the of the platform and really we were always at the whim like even in, in the media we are at the whim of these giant car- corporations that are buying stuff up and making decisions without our input so, so is, it, is it really that different or is it just it just like is more obvious now i mean i, I don't know there's there's just i think there are more direct I, I i respect that there are more direct um inputs and like like if i see like oh this is doing well this is doing badly that's a little easier just because like i'm back on using youtube and youtube has good analytics i'm sorry you know what i mean <laughs> like they right. actually like <laughs> there's 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 a degree of opacity in what like actually uh, makes it go, but you actually do have an input in a way that like I didn't when it was at, at um, like a private player that broke that maybe doesn't have uh, data for the last year because they broke it. Um, and like, you know, they were giving us like Google, like they, they were literally were just like outsourcing all their fucking traffic reports to Google and intermittently it was awful. But like, so there's a degree of more like, oh, okay, I do this number goes up. 
so it, it but it does feel more direct and I have more time to do it because I'm not tethered to all the other things involved in making the show and yeah. doing that job. And so it feels nicer. You know what I mean? And like yeah. I can build my life around it in a way that is 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 more organic and like honestly healthier for me. And to so so like, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's a lot of the same problems, but like I prefer it. I mean, I don't prefer making less money, but like I and or maybe yeah. making enough to like live because, you know, like right now I'm, you know, it's, times are rough, but like I can see a future in which I do mm-hmm. um, as opposed to feeling just sort of floating in space and feeling Let, unmoored. Yeah, I, I, yes. I, I, having that purpose is, I, I mean, they, they speak to that when they're talking about uh, burnout. Uh, you know, I say they, was researchers, when they look into like what, what actually causes burnout, it's not necessarily like too much work and it's not necessarily just like crunch, but it, it's like it's not having a purpose in your job. It's mm-hmm. not it's feeling like your job has no real meaning to it. So, yes, that that, that alone could, could make a big difference. A year from now, um, the, the, the channel's grown. Is it? Is it mostly? Is it? Do you mention the show has transformed a lot, or are you still basically doing the same basic show, but you've made tiny adjustments uh, in response to the audience? What, what do you think it is? Um, well, a couple of things. So, like, first thing is that like I had this email line. Uh, you know, it was it was always the end of the show. It's like um, highlightreelkotaku.com. That was the one they had everyone would email to. So I had these people like submitting me clips to the show. And then like I now I don't have that. So I have to like sort of build that up from from the ground up. So there's a little bit more work on that end. But I have time to do things that like make the show better. Like um, Sam and Andy Rolfes um, completely redid the intro. They're fans of the show and they're incredibly talented CG artists. And they made it actually look kind of like some kind of Toonami Sports Center thing. I am making the show like more long, longer. I do want to do other stuff. But like, I really also want to get the show where it is now in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and also now that now we have Discord integration. So I have a Discord of people who are just like submitting clips directly and we're talking about what people are playing. So there's actually a, a chance to build a community around this stuff more than there ever has been. And that's something I couldn't do uh, as like a representative of, of like Kotaku because then like, I don't know, just a bunch of fucking weirdos would just like try to jump in the discord and say a bunch of slurs. You know what I mean? Uh, you, the, you, you know, whereas like people who pay money via Patreon to be in a discord are very well behaved and like very cool. You know what I mean? They understand what you want to do and they want to help you do it. And that's so much more interesting, you know what I mean? Than just sort of shouting into the void and you'd have people out there who are very supportive of you. But like when it's a part of it, when it's community, it's different. And so like, you know, a lot of that has been like making it better and longer. And like even somebody said like, wow, it's just like your old show, except you sound happy and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, kind of kind of fair. Um, But it's going to be rough. You know what I mean? It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for everybody. I am very flattered that this many people care about this show there's some growing to do um (laughs) if you know somebody with like 30 million followers that would like to shout the show out at the end of an episode (laughs) please for the love of god i would love that but no uh, like it's I, i can see it growing
Chris Person, thank you so much for joining me. I uh, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate your insights. Uh, why don't you tell people exactly where they can find you, where they can find the show, if they want to reach out to you on social media and not call you a slur? Uh, where, where can they do that? Well, it depends on the slur. No, um, <laughs> please don't do that. Um, the Patreon is patreon.com slash highlight reel. The show uh, URL is uh, on YouTube is youtube.com slash C slash highlight reel one word. Um, and you can find me at twitter.com slash Papa Pichu, which is a handle that I am still using from forum, yes, you are. forum days. And, and I just want to say I, I do that out of principle because I think so many people nuke what they were oh, yeah. in embarrassing ways. Absolutely. On their we'll never games. find Neo Job people. Neo Job is dead. Neo Job's dead, dude. But yeah, check out the Patreon. Support it if you can. Um, we have a Discord tier. I have a tier where I will like drop the link a little early so people can just yell first in the comments. Um, and then I actually have a tier for people who want to uh, have their name in the credits um, so that you can, you can get shouted out in the credits. And yeah, it's, it's really... Um, it's a really great community of people. I'm really enjoying it. And we also get to like, it's a better way of discussing like what's actually happening in gaming, especially in like, like little new games, like uh, Genshin Impact is pretty big right now. But I think that these are the games that people are going to start playing more as, I don't know, devs, you know, we're not going to get cyberpunks all the time. It's the beginning. It's not only like this COVID shit, uh, uh, like impacting dev cycles, but also like the beginning of, uh, of, a, of a console cycle. Like, I think you're just going to get a lot of weird games like Genshin Impact impact and phasmophobia yeah and i'm and i welcome that that's totally my stuff absolutely um okay all right let, let's get out of here thank you everybody for listening i pre i appreciate it i'll be back with another new episode next week until then have a good one take care of yourself and goodbye later later